Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to talk about major gun manufacturers that are experiencing shortages and armed black militia march on a Confederate monument in Georgia. I got someone that's in a black gun group. We're going to talk about that. And also, the DHS confirms they are using unmarked vehicles in Portland, Oregon to detain protesters. What's up with that? Department of Homeland Security using unmarked vehicles? Boy, you might get a cat popped into you. And then also, we're going to break all that stuff down. We're going to talk about that. So my guest on the show is going to be James McCoy. He's uh, one of the leaders in a black gun group that's located in north of the United States, up in Maryland, uh, the Maryland area. Also, I got Alex Stringer in the studio. What's up, Alex? How's it going, Michael? That's right. Step forward. Touch that mic. Absolutely, Michael. Make uh, love to the mic. Get my head headset on too. There we go. Uh, yeah, and Michael, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, you know, I'm I'm here wearing my mask as per the governor's orders because there's nothing more important in this trying time than to have a face covering, Michael. That's right. Nothing like a mask. Got to have a mask on. Dude, we're saving Grandma. Who are you? Are you like a Batman? We're Captain America. Captain Captain, Captain America. America. You know, in, in honor of the greatest country in the world. That's that's the thing, Mike. All right, so you're Captain America, and then I'm so I'm going to be uh, Bane. I'm going to be Black Man. All right, the the armed Black Man. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm the armed Black Man. All right. So also, we're going to discuss um, major gun manufacturers are experiencing shortages. Uh, people are losing their ever-loving mind. Everyone, people that have never thought about purchasing a gun. You have people that. Uh, were anti-gun, you know, not didn't want to, didn't believe in the Second Amendment, didn't think anyone should own a gun, are now all of a sudden purchasing firearms. 
That's right. They're buying guns now. And so you have all these people that are walking to the gun store. They're buying guns for the very first time. They're getting ammunition. And you know what? There's a shortage. And they're shocked. They're shocked there's a shortage of firearms. Guess what? When It's called supply and demand. Let me break it down to you, folks. When it comes to supply and demand, you have a, a, a surge of people, a, a group of people that are that are going in and looking for one particular product like firearms or guns. There's going to be a shortage. You remember how we had problems with toilet paper? Remember that? Oh, I remember that. You I, remember uh, that? I stocked up on uh, Kleenex. <laughs> so you went to Kleenex, right? Mm -hmm. So you couldn't get toilet paper. Because everyone's running to the store to get toilet paper. You couldn't find – then, then now you have cleaning supplies. There are certain cleaning supplies you still cannot find today. You can't find them. You know why? Because a lot of people are running to the store to buy those cleaning supplies. So now they're limited. You can only buy one, one can of this, one box of this, because there's a shortage around the country. Right? So, you know, that's the problem that we're going to have. So when it comes to guns, guess what? Everyone and their mother is buying a gun now. You have uh, Auntie Sue, you know, Cousin Mike, and uh, Uncle Joe. They're all buying guns. And so you know what that causes? A gun shortage. So the most popular firearms are going to be AR-15s. Everyone wants the AR-15 because you know why? They're a nice, smooth rifle that you can use for home defense. So we have a shortage of AR-15s. You also... Going to have people that are buying Glocks. Everyone wants a Glock or a Smith & Wesson or a home defense shotgun. So guess what? Mossberg's like, hey, you know what? We're producing this amount of, of Mossberg shockwaves or Mossberg 500s. You know, we're going to produce this number. And so that's all we're going to produce every single day. So once we catch up, then we'll catch up. Until then, sit back, chill, and relax. You know, there's going to be a shortage. You're going to get your gun, but it's going to take some time. You got to relax, chill. You're going to get your gun. Just wait in line until we get through the list. That's all it is. There's going to be a backlog. And you know what? People that are getting guns, most of them can't find ammunition. <laughs> there's no ammunition for your gun. That's right. You know what? So you got a gun, and now you got to throw rocks if you want to use it. <laughs> so, so what we're doing as Central Texas Gunworks, we're actually only selling ammunition to people that are taking a class with us so that way they can at least qualify, practice, take one of our training courses so you can actually shoot. Outside of that, we're not selling ammunition at all because we can sell out of ammunition. I can sell out of ammunition in an hour, one hour. I'm gone, done, kaput, finished. But instead of doing that, that's right, cha-ching. <laughs> and let me tell you, so instead of doing that, what we're doing is we're only selling gun to people, gun, um, sorry, ammunition to people that are taking a class with us. So that's what we're doing. We have to slow this down a little bit and say, okay, and I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not that we're being mean. It's not that we're being cruel. You know, we're just having, we're, we're, we're just training people, you know, making sure that people that are getting these brand new guns for the first time are able to actually train and take a class. What a concept, people. Yeah, I bet you've got individuals that would come into your store and just wipe you clean of ammo in one transaction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because... People would buy a uh, 100 boxes, you know, or, you know, or 1,000 boxes of ammunition because they're trying to stock up. So we're having to slow that down a little bit. We're saying, hey, only if you're taking a class with us. That's what we're doing.
So slow it down, relax, chill. Don't panic. There's nothing to panic. If you walk into the gun store and you yell and scream at me, guess what? You're not getting a freaking gun. <laughs> if you're yelling, think about the concept. You're pissed off because you can't get your gun because we're in a pandemic. There's riots or whatever's going on, protests, and everyone wants to get a gun. It's the most popular item in the entire country, and the media's not talking about it. This, this is the one thing that everybody, every household wants right now, and you can't get it as fast as you want to get it. So you yell and scream at me. Guess what? You're not going to get a gun. I had this idiot walk into the gun store last weekend. Because he was upset because we wanted, we needed a copy of his driver's license and his handgun license so we can fill out the form. We can only allow, because we live in Travis County, and we're following the Travis County, the Austin, the state of Texas rules, you know, or laws, whatever you want to call them. And so we're trying to make sure that I don't have the police department or code enforcement or the fire marshal show up and write me a $1,000 ticket. So we actually follow certain policies. So because we're doing what we have to do so we can conduct business without being harassed, we had this, this idiot show up in the gun store that didn't, was upset because we maintained his – we kept his driver's license and his handgun license to write down the information on the 4473. Well, he was upset because he was outside. I can only have so many people inside the gun store. So in, in order to get him in and out, we had to bring his information, his IDs in the gun store, fill out the form, then bring him in, fill out the paperwork, and send him on his way. He was pissed off. He was saying, I'm never coming back here again. I said, you know what? I can fix that. You don't want to ever come back here again? Here's what we'll do. How about this? I'll give you your driver's license, your handgun license, and I'll return your gun back to sender. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. God, Gary looks awful. What's up, Gary? You look terrible. Don't even talk. I don't even want to hear anything from you. you look Where's like your suit, Gary? Uh, you know what? I can say this because you know what? Because I'm the host of the radio show. You look like white trash right now. <laughs> Does it top me last week? <laughs> Michael. 
Uh, don't talk. All right, so we're, this is what we're talking about today. <laughs> and don't call me. Don't say, Michael, you being mean or cruel. I don't want to hear it. Don't care. Michael, Cargill's a racist. That's right. All right, we're talking about major gun manufacturers are experiencing shortages. We're talking about armed an armed black militia march on a Confederate monument in Georgia. And on the phone, we have James McCoy. James, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Hey, thank you for the invite, sir. That's right. So, James, tell us, you know, tell us the, the group that you actually manage on uh, Facebook there. Okay, everybody, my name is James McCoy. I'm the founder and president of the Urban Sharpshooters Gun Club. Um, we're located just outside of the nation's capital, but we have chapters in just about every major city in the United States of America. And who are the members in this chapter, in these chapters? Um, the members are people like James McCoy. Uh, we have a few football players. We have some superstars. Um, some of those, their names, you know, I probably don't want to mention without their permission first. But we have um, prominent members. We have members of the um, armed forces, police officers, doctor, lawyers, upstanding, you know, citizens, or anybody who can uh, legally own a farm. Hey, James McCoy, let's 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 pull the ice cream off of it. Are we talking black folks, white folks? Who are we talking about? That's right. Well, Urban Sharpshooters, we came out almost 20 years ago, the concept, where within the community that I live in, I'm African-American, we noticed that we didn't really have same access to firearms education and training, like what you would see out in the suburbs or in communities where, you know, you didn't see a lot of black people. So our demographics are probably 95 to 99% African-American, Hispanic, um, Asian, um, and you might as well say non-white people. All right. And so, you know, because the Democrat Party, your liberals, typically, they, they want you to think that black people don't support, you know, responsible gun ownership for some reason. But you know what? We're here to tell you that's a different story. There is responsible gun ownership out there. And there are other organizations that are out there other than the NRA that support, you know, black folks owning guns responsibly. Most definitely. Most definitely. And so tell us a little bit more about your organization. Well, our organization, um, we provide firearms education and training within most urban communities. And when I mean urban, it's not necessarily black. It's more major metropolitan where you have high populations of people of color. Um, for some reason, if we go back in history, we could see at one time the gun laws weren't as strict as they are within certain communities. And I would kind of put it back to like 1968 after Martin Luther King was assassinated. You noticed that firearms education and training was removed from communities where you see African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, Asians, and et cetera. So what we decided to do was we got up off our butts and we put together training programs for people of color primarily mm -hmm. where we wouldn't have to go out to the suburbs or we wouldn't have to beg people to come in and do like the Eddie Eagle and other programs you would see sponsored by the NRA. Um, we're real big on responsible gun ownership. So everybody in the gun club is legal and just the process and teaching people how to become legally armed and trained can be a challenge when you're in a community where the gun culture is 100% against ownership of firearms all right so let's go let's get down to it james mccoy let's talk about the uh, the recent shootings that we've seen uh you have the incident that happened in georgia there's a couple incidents there of the jogger who was jogging down the street in georgia he went into a house that was under construction he came out of the house that was under construction continued jogging running down the street and this guy who lived across the street saw him and decided to chase him follow him 
um, and then end up shooting him. What's your thoughts on that? I think that situation with, with Mr. Aubrey is a reflection of a lot of communities in America. I think Mr. Aubrey was in a community um, where he was definitely a minority because he's a person of color, which raised some alarm and suspension, uh, suspicion rather. And I think that those who viewed him as an intruder or didn't feel that he belonged automatically assumed that he was doing something wrong. And unfortunately, um, as we have seen, um, a pursuit took place where the man ran for his life. He was chased down and killed. So it all goes back to something that a brother named Ken Blanchard, he created a book, Black Man with a Gun. Mm. And too often, people of color are a threat to non-people of color because of the color of our skin. And where does that you come? Know, Wait, you know what? Let's get down to the meat of it. Where does that come from originally, James McCoy? It's racism, you know. The, the, what the, is that? that let's go back. Let's go back to the 1800s, 1700s. Where does that come from originally, James McCoy? Well, where are you getting that? Slavery? <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the sin of, of a black man who can be in a, a quote-unquote white community, you know, on a jog or a leisurely scroll, and he looks into a house that's being constructed, and he's automatically assumed as committing a crime. Mm-hmm. And it, it, again, it's, it's like, you know, this culture, I think we all need some type of counseling. You know, we need counseling on the black side. We need counseling on the white side. Everyone needs counseling, some type of therapy, because I think where it comes from, here's what I'm getting at. And you can send you can call me. You can send me voice messages. You can send me emails. You can write me a letter and tell me I'm crazy. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, but where this comes from is that when when slaves were released from slavery, you know, you had people that were afraid that the slaves were going to turn on their slave master, and that's where this fear comes from. I, I can agree to to a certain degree. Oh yeah, I like it's, I it's like just, to keep it real. We, we got to keep it real. I mean, it, it's a misconception of who we are, and sometimes as an African American, we have African Americans who will judge people that are white by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. But again, the Arbor case should have been an eye opener to a lot of people who wanted to pretend that things like that didn't take place. All right, so, so let, those, let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about the other shooting that happened in Georgia where you had the the guy that was actually sitting at the drive-thru at the Wendy's, and you know what? He was drunk. He was lit. He was drunk because the officer walked up to his door and tapped on the door, on the window. He didn't. He didn't answer, tapped again. He didn't answer, opened the door, shook him. He didn't answer, shook him again. He finally woke up. He was in a drive-thru lane, okay, the lane of the drive-thru of a Wendy's. And finally woke him up. They had him pull over to the side. He woke up. They, an officer, another officer came over. They, had, they did a field sobriety test. This guy was, was .108, right? Yep. .108. Yeah, it, did I get it right? In this you're point, right. Point was, 108. It was either point, point it might 108. Yes. Point 108. The man was that man was so incoherent. He thought he was in a different county. Yes. So he and was drunk. He yeah, was that's, that's the point. Yeah, the point is what, what 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 Mr. McCoy just said. He was hammered. So he was drunk. So then the hammered. officer, hold on James. So the officer then uh they go to arrest this guy. They go to arrest him. 
They put handcuffs on him, try to hit, put handcuffs on him. He actually beats him to a pulse. He punches him. He, he hits him. He beats him. He elbows him. He kicks their butts. Then he takes their taser and he runs away. And I like to remind people that when we're taking the lights to carry handgun course, if I run up to you and I take something from you with force and I run away with it, what is that? That is robbery. That's robbery. And if I take it with force, aggravated robbery. If I use a weapon, it's going to be aggravated robbery. So at minimum, it's going to be robbery. So I take something from you and I run away with it. But if you're if you're taking a weapon, I take anything. I don't care your wallet, your phone. I take it from you with force and I run away with it under the Texas law. The Texas law says I can retrieve that. I can retrieve that item, my property. Immediately after in fresh pursuit, but, but I, I, by using force again, force to stop you. The semantics of it, but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Keep yeah, going. because if you take something from me, you run away, and I can retrieve it immediately after in fresh pursuit. So that means that I can shoot you in the back if I need to to recover, if I want to, to recover my property back that I can't recover by any other means. Am I right, James McCoy? For a civilian? Well, when we're looking at this, we a good question was asked. As a civilian or as a police officer, or in what particular state. Now, this one, believe it or not, in my gun club, it caused so much controversy because, again, um, a lot of people understand that I've been in the law enforcement community for about 20 years, and I'm actually a special police officer in Washington, D.C. And in becoming a special police officer, we had to take training, and one course was the use of force continuum, meaning that, you know, you can't just pull out your gun and shoot somebody and expect the law to, you know, just to make it justifiable. A certain set of circumstances has to take place in order for you to use deadly force or you have to match force. Now, in that particular setting, we saw that guy, he was asleep in his car because he was hammered. And when those police officers came out, the first officer arrived, he was very courteous. And, you know, he asked the car to move the car in the parking space. So then when the interview takes place, you see the gentleman, you know, he knew he was in trouble. He tried to say, well, his girlfriend dropped him off, and he wasn't really driving a car because they asked him how did he get there and how did the car get from, you know, the parking space to the drive-thru. Well, when we see the second officer come, and this is all coming from the officer's camp. All right, hold on, James. Hold on, James. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to finish your story when we come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 1370, the right choice. 
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking with James McCoy. Uh, he's with a black gun group out of North portion of the United States, and we're talking about the current shootings that happen around the country. Sometimes you got to remove your heart from your chest and put it on the table and look at what the law says. That's what you have to do. You know, unfortunately, there's right, there's wrong, and there's the law. James McCoy. So what were you saying, sir? Definitely. Well, back to my point on the use of force continuum. When you look at the case where the guy was shot in the Wendy's parking lot, I mean, it, it was one of those things to where the guy was apparently under some kind of um, narcotic or he was drunk. Um, when the police arrived, they tried to be courteous to, you know, gain understanding of, you know, how he got there and, you know, you know, what was his basically his physical state. And where we see things turn upside down is after he had to feel sobriety check and he failed and they were going to take him in. That's when he resisted. That's strike one. You know, he resisted arrest. After he resisted arrest, he fought with those two officers. And he manhandled both of them, which was surprisingly. Manhandled? He kicked their butts. He, he won that hands, fight. Right? He won the fight. All right. So then in, in, in him trying to escape, he actually stole their property, which was the taser. And as he's trying to run, one of the officers actually got off a shot with the taser, and that didn't stop his stride at all. So on this particular case. Well, I, I like, also want to add I, one more detail. While he was running, uh, the gentleman turned around and fired the taser he had taken at one of the officers. Exactly. Exactly. See, this, this all leads up. See, with this one in my gun club, we kind of had a Knights of the Round Table, and we played this segment by segment from the officer's cam. And, you know, it's a term called Monday morning quarterback and where a lot of people don't really understand that, yeah, when we go back and we can review what's actually being seen, that's not real time. That's what we see. Those two officers, number one, they weren't expecting this one man to, you know, try to resist arrest, kick their ass, take their taser and turn and run. Now, the pursuing officer where we have to really watch the chain of events as he's chasing behind this guy, this guy takes the taser and he points at the officer and he pulls trigger. And soon after, that's when the guy was shot two or three times. Where some people say he was shot in the back, James, that wasn't justified. But we have to understand what that gentleman did. He used that taser as a weapon. And under the quote-unquote rules of engagement or the use of force continuum, that officer can say, that he truly believed that he was in serious bodily harm or his life or the life was other, of others was in danger, and that's why he took that shot. And the debate comes from where it was just a taser. Now, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said a week prior that when officers tried to pull some teenagers out of a car and they used a taser, they deemed that taser as a deadly force weapon. But then they came back a week later after this guy didn't even – take a proper aim, he just pointed it and shot at that officer. They said the taser was non-lethal weapon. So even in Georgia, their interpretation of what a taser is, is ass backwards. Now, what we said, anything can be used as a weapon to cause serious bodily harm. And well, let's, let's, re let's, let's, let's remove the doubt of whether it, whether it was a weapon or not. Did, you know, do they have a law in Georgia that says that, hey, like in Texas, in Texas, they say, hey, if you take something from me with force, my property, that I can use force, a daily force to recover that property immediately after in fresh pursuit. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if Georgia law says that, but I know 
with the use of force contingent that all police officers in just about every state within the union, if a police officer seriously can prove and he feels that he's in grave bodily harm, and with that man shooting that taser at that officer at that particular point after he has resisted, after he has fought, and after he has evaded, in that officer's mind, he could truly say that he felt that he was in serious bodily harm, and that's why he shot. He didn't shoot the man while he was running. He shot that man after the man shot an object at him, which could have immobilized him, or if it would have hit him in the eye or the face, could have seriously caused bodily harm. Okay. All right. Uh, hey. Yes. Ch- chime in on this. Um, about the Rayshard Brooks case or about just the whole situation in general? The whole situation, you know. Uh, police, you know, uh, is, is there an issue with police being overly aggressive uh, when it comes to dealing with black citizens? So my take on all of that, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's right. I'm going to ask I, the white man what his ask thoughts Ask a white man. Well, so look, um, from personal experience, I grew up. Stringer's you know, also Jewish. Yeah. I'm a white Jewish guy who grew up in the suburbs. Oh, so, hey, oh you know, you're like, white, you're black. Yeah. Yeah. You're black. <laughs> you were spawned by Moors. Go ahead. Yeah. He's, he's... No, um. My experience with police might be different from, like, you know, somebody else's experience with police. But um, that being said, you know, I saw a lot of the um, the riots when I was downtown in Austin. And I just saw, like, the, the type of tension and the type of um, just, just the, the tension that you could just literally cut with a knife. And then you see what's happening. Then you see what's happening in Portland and you see what's happening in Houston and what happened in Minnesota. And then, like, everything that was happening in New York, um, just in, in terms of all that. And we do need meaningful police reform not you know not not just for the community but you need so that for the safety exactly, of the officers l- let's not white coat it tell me exactly what do we need because i think that we need a well, a panel to actually say you know what we need to bring charges you know send recommendations like a grand jury to the da say hey da this is what you need to charge this person with and bring charges on them no i agree with you i i 100 agree with you i think you need an oversight committee that's independent of the that police has department. power yeah that is independent and right now like because the, without uh, that you're this, this is all this conversation so, is useless so the city cut 11 million dollars of its police budget but then they put three million dollars into putting it into an oversight committee that's kind of run by apd so they just put it back in their department to do nothing with it yeah that's what a lot of people were critical of the uh independent audit Remember that, like two years ago? Yeah, I do remember the that. The independent audit was on the ballot, and people were saying, well, who's going to oversee the audit? It's the same thing. It's the same song and dance over All and right, over so again. So, Alex Stringer, so, answer this question. Should we defund the police? I think we should restructure yes. certain parts of the budget. No, but I don't sir. Think- no, sir. I say yes or no. Should we defund the police? No. No. I don't think we should, but I think that there are certain parts of the budget that we, we- should that we should restructure and we need to put some of that money in the budget to better training our police officers. I think MMA and jiu-jitsu training should be something mandatory what? for all police officers Well, if you to do, do MMA and jiu-jitsu, we're going to choke them out. I need to choke somebody out, and that's a good tool. I like the tool of choking but people. They, but now p- people are saying— Some people need to be choked. But also, here's but the thing, too, about hold, you. Hold, thing. On, hold on. They're saying right. that they—there's also, you know, a lot of the, the protesting here. They're saying that certain tactics, such as choking and kneeling, they don't— they don't want that. Let's get yeah, away. but that's because, that's because a lot of the officers aren't well-trained enough to utilize it properly. Let's I think get that away if you got... from talking about tactics. Let's think about what the law says. The law says if a person does this, yeah, this, well, this, 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 I can use force and deadly right. force to stop them. The law is not wrong. The, how do you know if the law is, is, is The law is not wrong. I think we have too many rules that we're putting police officers under, and they don't know what the heck to do. There are too many rules. I, if I, this, if that, if this, is that. Excuse me. Let me re, re, let me look at the book to figure yeah, out you know what, what I you should know what, do. You know what? Okay, I, I'll, I'll I will 
I'll humor you and say I could agree with that, that there's probably too many rules. Just overall in the world, there's too many rules. But what about, what about the fact that, do you think that these police officers are taking accountability? Oh, I don't think a lot of them, their intentions are good. Okay. I don't think their intentions are good at all. <laughs> and they don't like you, and they're letting you know they don't like you by putting their, their knee on their throat. I, I, like, when you say you, I mean, who, who are you talking about here? I'm, I'm talking officers, period. Because you're looking at me like you meant me specifically. Hey, well, you know what I feel about you. And <laughs> a lot of police officers in Austin, Texas, have uh, been very kind to me. Oh, well, they, you have privilege. But anyway, so Mr. Street. But in other, in other cities, I've had some serious issues. I've had guns aimed at me. I had my door kicked down. I've, I've had cops beat me down. James McCoy, st- chime on this. I need the resident black guy to chime in we, on this, please. We we need to look at the institution of policing, and I wouldn't say defund it. It just needs to be overhauled. Like, let's go back to Ferguson. Ferguson, I think the demographics was 80% African-American, right? Mm-hmm. But you had hardly any African-American police officers policing that community. So when you have, say, communities of color, meaning majority um, black, and you have majority white people policing though that population, it's going to spell trouble just because you got this ugly word called racism. Mm-hmm. And you have all the like preconceived notions of people to where it becomes a us versus them. It needs to go back to more the people in the community had a person from that community become a police officer now, versus you got Now, Thomas Harrison... Thomas Harrison says we need to teach the people how to act while in police custody. You mean you're I talking mean, about compliance issues? Is that what he's saying? I, I, I don't know. I don't Thomas Harrison, you need to clear that up. Because I don't think we need to teach people how to how to act when in police custody. Honestly, if you're in you're in the in the you're in a uh, authority figure, you're in control, you have the power, you're controlling that situation no matter what. Okay. Am I right? Hey, uh, Mr. McCoy. Yeah. Yeah, but here we go. When we look at the Floyd case where you see an officer who puts his knee in a man's neck and you can hear the man saying he can't breathe and that officer shows no compassion, no sympathy, no nothing. You get what I'm saying? That's where the problem lies. In, in well, Thomas like Thomas that. Harrison says black folks need to stop teaching young black folks that cops will kill you. Well, hold hold on, hold on. I here's here's a, a sort of an anecdote. Look, there's there's research out there that suggests that black cops are just as likely to kill black people as white cops are. Now, where's that at? Excuse me. Google Zach's it? got it pulled up right here. I'm sorry. Share it with me. Uh, so here we go right here. When we're looking at these topics, we got to look at what demographic of people we're looking at. If you want to talk about a demographic where you're in an economically challenged area, right, where you got a black police officer and a white police officer, and he has to work in, quote, unquote, the PJs or the project where it's high crime, it's violence, and anything and everything goes, that's a lot different from the police officer that has to police in a suburbia or a more medium-class environment or community. So it all goes back to where we have to look at this case by case, and we can't generalize and say, well, you know, this police officer, all of them are bad or all of them are right. We have to look at what's happening in certain areas. So let me ask you this. Do you think that it would be, um, you know— a legitimate thing to say about this is that it might be better to have police officers policing communities that live in those communities. Definitely. So even because if there, let's say there was a white cop that lived in the in the projects, it would still be better than having a black cop that lived in the suburbs policing that community. It's the same thing, exactly. You have I, to have people that can relate to people. I, I, you know, I you think, think I agree. People, yeah, right, I, I agree. I agree with that also. 
But here's the difference, though. When you have white police officers, right, that have been taught negative things about black people, and then they see certain black people showing negative behavior that perpetuates stereotypes, then you have a problem. See, it's like you look at me, if a police officer look at me that's white, he might can't tell if I'm friend or foe because I'm a young black man. Versus if a black police officer look at me, you can just about determine who I am by the way I'm dressed, you know, maybe how I carry myself in mannerism and stuff. Some white people see all black people as the same, where some black people know, oh, he's okay or he's too hood. We might, I mean, there's something better that what we do as a comparison. We look at Asian people. You know, some people look at all Asians being the same, but yet other Asians can say, hey, I'm from China. He's from Korea. He's from Vietnam. You get what I'm saying? It's more of a culture thing that we need to get past. And too often in America, because of this ugly word called racism, we have people that will demonize an entire group of people because of the way that they look. And a lot of times the people that's demonizing these people don't have any real contact or knowledge of who those people really are. Yeah, no, I, I um I agree with that. But I also think I also think that um when you have like MMA when you're making MMA and jujitsu training a mandated thing for our police officers, you're actually um provided that you help that you pay for them to go to certain gyms around the area, you're exposing them to diversity so that those stereotypes can slowly go out the window so you don't have to deal with a lot of that and also um when it comes to making a stop you're probably going to be if you're well trained you're probably going to be a lot less likely to resort to using deadly force in a situation if you got like a blue or a purple belt in jiu-jitsu or if you have like an extensive boxing experience or if you feel physically capable versus the fact that you know you have a lot of um, police officers especially in apd it's like i could probably kick most of their asses in a fair fight like that doesn't make me feel safe or protected. And then you see somebody who ha- who grew up in like suburbia that wasn't around too many black or brown people. And then they get a bad experience and all of a sudden they get really scared and they shoot somebody when they don't need to do that. So that's why I think like combat sports training needs to be a staple throughout the entire time you're a cop to minimize that. All right. We're talking with, we're talking with James McCoy. He's one of the leaders of the <clears throat> urban shop shooters. We're talking, man, we're talking about a lot here. We're talking with Alex Stranger. He's giving us his thoughts on what he thinks about what's going on. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Talk 
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Hey, hey, all right. So we're talking about the shootings that happened around the country. All these protests. We're in a state of disaster. We're in a state of emergency. There's a lot of misinformation that's going around on social media that talks about the fact that we're in a state of an emergency, a state of disaster. And in that case, you don't need a you don't need a license to carry a handgun. Well, that's not true in Texas. Okay. No, not true at all. That's right. So in order for you to not need a license to carry a handgun, we have to be in a state of disaster. And they have to call for evacuations. If they're calling for evacuations, then you don't need a license in that area for the entire week that they're calling for evacuations. Also, there's some more information, misinformation that's going around. And that's the fact that if you're wearing a face mask or face covering, you cannot carry a gun. That's not true. Not true at all. You can have a face mask, face covering, and you can carry a gun, people. I walk into the bank. I walk into the grocery store. I walk into. I walked into Best Buy and brought some cables, you know, that I needed for a computer. And they were so concerned with people are not work. They were not worried about you carrying a gun. They're worried about you wearing a face covering right now. Uh, excuse me. Do you have a face mask? Please wear a face mask. They don't they don't care about the 1911 I have on my hip. They didn't care about that. They cared if I was wearing a face mask. That's all they cared about. They didn't care about the obvious, <laughs> the fact that I'm carrying a gun. They didn't pay attention to that. All right, so we're talking with James McCoy, Alex Stranger. We're talking about, you know, the the shootings. Hey, James McCoy, let's talk about Ken and Karen. Ken and Karen in St. Louis had their house searched. Firearms confiscated. Justified or not justified? Or were they justified or not justified? They haven't been charged with the crime. That's one of those slippery slopes of gray areas. I don't think that the reaction should have been where they had their guns confiscated. Are their names really Ken and Karen? No, their name's not Ken and Karen. Oh, okay. But hold on. Mr. McCoy, uh, I like what you're saying. Keep going. Because because, because Michael and I had a a disagreement about this earlier, and I think that I'm about to... He thinks he's going to win, but he can never win against me. I I, I win. (laughs) Their actions as gun owners, I thought, was way over the top because really... If you're in a situation where you have an event like that taking place, you don't want to give up cover and concealment and expose yourself to the elements. So by coming outside brandishing firearms, that probably wasn't the smartest move, but they were well within their right to do so. Now, when they start pointing those guns at people, that took it to another level. Now, now, so when Karen Karen pointed her gun at the protesters, she was committing a crime. Okay, so now you also got to realize that the protesters also were saying they were going to shoot their dog and murder their family, and there was a man behind their house with an AR-15. So this isn't, these weren't peaceful protesters. I'm sorry, I didn't see it on the video. Yeah, I know you did. That's why I I know I'm going to win this this, this little... So, but but my thing forth. is, hey, but I'm, we hey, about, my thing is, I think they were justified. They were justified. I think that the Ken, if you want to call him Ken, with his <laughs> AR, I think he was justified standing in his front yard with an AR-15. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Now, 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 Mr. McCoy, do you <laughs> think that they sh- that the police should have confiscated their guns without actually charging no, them with a crime? No, I, I also I, agree. I don't, that 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 I don't think they should have been charged for a crime. I think what should have happened, you should have had like some kind of mediation. Hey, we understand it was um, in in the heat of battle. The climax made you react, but you do understand what you did was wrong. We're going to give you a warning. 
you don't take their guns away. I'm like, come on, guys, this is America. This isn't Russia. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? It's reminiscent so, to me of red flag laws. Right. I mean, again, they didn't the, – the, the owners of the house didn't purposely seek to go out and intimidate anyone. They were more or less reaction reacting from being intimidated by the size of that crowd and maybe what was being said or done. Again, me, strategically, I would not have put – or tactically, I would not have put myself in harm's way. I would have stayed in the inside and probably, you know, seeked, um, you know, cover and concealment. I would not have went outside with those guns, although I did feel that they were within their rights to do so. Right. But in doing that, I think they put themselves in harm's way, and I absolutely do not agree that they should have had their guns taken because of this situation. And see, here, all jokes aside, here's what I tell people. And you may remember. Well, hold this on, Michael. Michael, hold on. Oh, hold on. No, this, do, you, this, do you do you think they should have had their guns taken? No. Hey, that no, but that's the process. So you agree with me? I think hey, that's the process. That's you, the process. You put, your, you put yourself. So you're sympathetic the, to the police entering your, someone's home and taking their firearms when they're not, not charged with a crime. Absolutely that's, not. I, don't, I disagree with that. Absolutely not. If you put yourself in that situation, guess what? You're gonna have to go through the process. Well, the process is wrong well, and completely unethical. Welcome to America and unconstitutional. Welcome to America. So they. So you think morally? Constitutionally, they should not. They should not be able to do Spoken that. Spoken from a man whose last name is Faust. Should they be able to do that or not, Michael? Excuse me. Spoken from a last name. You're not answering Faust, my question. German name. I, oh, Faust. Are I'm you smelling blood? <laughs> I'm circling you, baby. <laughs> should they have been able to do that? Hey, constitutionally, should like, the police like be I said, able to take legal gun owners' firearms without them being charged with a crime? Absolutely not. But right. you put yourself in a situation, that's the price you pay. <clears throat> All right, now say that I was right. No, you're never right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on. All right, so let's talk about Michigan. Michigan deputy fatally shoots stabbing suspect. What do you think about that, James McCoy? Now, that one you're going to have to bring me up to date on. I'm not real familiar with that. Oh, one. that was a female officer. This guy was... um. Tell, tell the, uh, the, so there was an older gentleman in a store uh, arguing with a cl- with a with a clerk, a convenience store clerk. Arguing with the clerk about wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to wear a mask. He didn't want to yeah. wear a mask, okay. and it, it resulted in him stabbing the clerk. Stabbed the clerk. Later on, the the Eaton County deputy the, the, somehow caught up with this gentleman, and he pulled a knife on her, and he actually was coming at her pretty fast. He was coming at her quick. She she fought a bunch of drugs. Or, or maybe she was missing. Nah, but, I think well, she was she, missing. She, this, this, this guy was like five I'm gonna feet say away she from was her, missing. so I don't think she was missing every shot. But regardless, she was firing gun. Uh, clear. She cleared a jam in the gun. Um, Front sight, rear sight. She cleared people. the entire sight, the entire sight. magazine and uh, into this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a malfunction. She tapped, racking. She banged. She tapped. She racked it, and she continued to fire. And then so she popped she, the cap. What's the problem? Oh, there's no problem. She got him. It was a good shoot. But, okay. you know, there were some <laughs> issues. People are saying, hey, you know, her marksmanship wasn't that great. But, you know, it was a good shoot. There's no here, doubt in my mind that was a good shoot. No, I, there was, there was, hold on. There was somebody that I heard was saying that uh, here goes another American citizen who's not going to have their their due process in their day in court. Hey, well, then don't, don't pull a knife and try to stab somebody. Exactly. And see where... <laughs> I look at I agree. people who criticize police officers for reacting to negative behavior and confrontation. The people that's criticizing are the people that are calling 911. Yeah. People have to remember that police officers are human, and I don't care how much training that you have. 
when you see somebody rushing you with a knife, you're not going to perform the same way that you would if you're standing in a gun range no, in a stationary not. position that's shooting right. a target that's, that's not shooting back or attacking you. That's right. So something that I think even in the gun community that we need to, like, do a better job is, is teaching – um, or using the elements of fear or stress. That's right. And last one, and James McCoy. Department of Homeland yeah. Security confirms agents in unmarked vehicles picking up protesters in Portland. They're in plain vehicles snatching up protesters in Portland, Oregon. They do have the police patch attached to the, the front of their vests, but they are, from the videos I saw, they're not verbally identifying themselves at all. And anyone can go buy a patch. That's all right. We're out of time. We're out of time. But you know what? I'm sorry. You snatched me up. You're in a plane vehicle. Hey, you hey, don't Michael, have a... I, got a, I got a question. Real quick. Yeah. I, got, I got a question. Um, Ten seconds. I could be wrong, but didn't one of the provisions in the Patriot Act say that if you're a suspected terrorist, they could oh, do stuff like that and, to you and, as a result of the Patriot Trump, Act and Trump and labeled Antifa a terrorist group? And fun fact, guess who helped draft the Patriot Act? Your boy, well, I don't know if he's your boy. I hope he isn't. But our buddy Joe Biden helped draft that Patriot Act, and it's kind of interesting how the left is championing him as a hero, and he's one of the people that helped draft the act that's causing these protesters to be stopped by these unmarked cars. All right, we'll talk about that more on the next show. I want to thank James McCoy for coming on the show. I also want to thank Alex Stringer for being inside the studio. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.